Welcome to the Legacy House Podcast. Our mission as a church is to equip people to know God, live free, and find purpose. We express the mission of our church through adoration, biblical teaching, creativity, and discipleship. We have prepared this message for you, and we know God is going to use it to minister to you wherever you are and in whatever situation you're going through. John chapter 15, and we're going to start reading right there in verse 1. John chapter 15. Verse 1 is Jesus speaking here. He says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. And he cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message that I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. It's interesting there, right? Because he says, remain in me, and I will remain in you. He doesn't just say, I will remain in you. He says, remain in me and I'll remain in you. You understand that there's, there's a, a, there is a lot of things that we find in the Scripture that um, are a two-way street. Uh, it, it's, salvation was a free gift given to us. But salvation even requires or demands, is probably even a better word, a response. Just because salvation is available does not mean salvation is something that we have attained or acquired. Can I get an Amen. And here's the difference. The difference is, is that just because something is sitting on your counter at home, you might go home tonight and maybe you DVR the Oscars and you're going to go home and you're going to watch the Oscars and you're going you're gonna to make uh, cupcakes. How many of you just love cupcakes? Like, let's just be honest. I don't care what event is on. I really don't care who wins anything on the Oscars. But anytime there is any kind of event on TV, I'm always the first thought that goes through my brain every single time is, we could make some queso. Like, that's like, I don't care. I could be Miss America. I'm like, we could make some queso. Like, any special, like, TV events are just opportunities for queso, folks. Let's really be honest here. Just because something is prepared and sitting on your counter does not mean that it is something that you have taken into your body. I can stare and look at a cupcake all, all day, by the way. Uh, think about the sweet, moist goodness. Moist, moist is a horrible word, uh, by the way. Uh, the sweet, moist goodness that is a cupcake. But just because I can see it and I can imagine it does not mean that I've actually received it. doesn't mean that I have ingested it, that it has become a part of me. And so Jesus here, he's talking, and he says, look, he said, if you will be in me, if you will remain in me, I will remain in you. He said, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot produce fruit unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. And those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and it withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. That's an intense verse. It's a really, really intense verse. Like, we're just talking about cupcakes and queso. Now I'm a useless branch that's being thrown into a fire to be burned. Verse 8, it says, When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. That is an important verse, folks, that we understand tonight, that we wrap our brains around, that we let sink and saturate into our hearts. Verse 8, When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. It says, I have loved you even as my father loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I, my father's commandments remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. And yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. A couple more verses, hang with me. This is my commandment, to love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love, no greater love, 
than to lay down one's life for a friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer will call you slaves because a master does not confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father has told me. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and to produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for in my name. This is my command to love each other. Can we pray this evening? Father, we thank you tonight. God, we thank you that you are the true vine. Tonight, I pray that your word would penetrate our hearts. Lord, I pray that our ears would be open. God, I pray that we would understand you, Lord, in a way that we maybe have never understood you before. God, speak to us tonight. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Tonight, I'm going to throw a lot of things at you. And uh, I like to do that on Sunday night. Sunday night, I get to kind of switch gears a little bit, I feel like. And, uh, and I, like to, I, I like to just start dumping out content. Uh, on, a, on a Sunday night. And tonight I want to throw a couple things at you tonight uh, when we look at this scripture because I believe that as a church, as Christians, as, as men or women, I believe that this verse in John chapter 15 or this collection of verses is one of the most significant selection of verses in the entire gospel, in the absolute entire gospel. And I believe because there's some nuggets in here that are often removed from the verse as a part of the verse, but really they're not understood that you can't just take verse 8 and just leave it at that and just say, you know what, if you produce a lot of fruit, you are my disciples. That's great, but the Lord said so much before that, and he said so much after it. You can't just pull out the verse where it says, if you ask anything in my name, it shall be given to you. Like, we love that verse. We love those types of verses because it's like, wow, God said all I have to do as a believer is to ask and he will give. No, that's not actually what the verse says at all, but that's often the verses that we quote. We, we, we misquote, we talked about this a while back, we misquote the Bible often more than we accurately quote the Bible. We look at the, look at the verses and say, eat, drink, and be merry. People use that verse for all kinds of things. The next line is, because tomorrow you die. Like, it's like, well, the Bible says eat, drink, and be merry. Yeah, and it also says that your death is impending, like, it's pending. It is, you're counting down, the clock is on its way, right? But we, we, we kind of want to receive part of the truth, but we don't want to receive all of the truth. And I believe that when we build a house, none of us ever just build part of our house. You don't just build the garage, a bathroom, and maybe the kitchen, and then just leave everything else slab or dirt. Like, no, you don't do that. You build out the entire house. Because if the house isn't complete, it's not a house. If the house isn't complete, it's not even capable of being lived in. Like if a tornado rips out one half of your house, there was those condos a few months ago down off Scenic that tragically got demolished by this tornado. No one goes and looks at the ruins and says, you know what, this is a livable structure because the house is not complete. And the word of God is important like that because we have a responsibility not just to hear part of the word, but hear all of the word. I've, I, I, there's been moments in my life and points in my life where I've known just enough of the word to make me dangerous. I've known just enough of the word to make me a liability. I've known just enough of the word to cut somebody to the core, but not know how to actually heal and make them whole. And I believe that as a church, we have a responsibility to really understand the concept of the vine, the concept of being connected. What does it mean when we talk about being connected? What do you feel when you feel connected? 
Is it because someone hugs you? Is it because someone gives you a high five? Is it because someone you know, sends you an encouraging text? Like, what is it for you that makes you feel connected? I, 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 I have a lot of different ways that I, I feel connected. And there's nothing much better than when you feel connected. When someone remembers your name. Uh, I, I worked for a pastor one time, and he was great at remembering people's names. And if you asked people what was their favorite attribute of him and who he was, most people would say, I hadn't been here for months. I came back through the door. As soon as I walked in, he called me by my name. It's a point of connection. Why? Because all it says is it's not something magic. It's not something uh, divine even. It just means that someone took the time to care. Someone took the time to help you be connected. So when we look at, uh, at John chapter 15, there's a few things that I believe that we have the importance to understand here. Uh, we, we, there's four things that are mentioned. The first thing you see right here is in verses one through three. One through three says this. It says, I am the true grapevine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more fruit. It's a weird concept, right? Like here he says, like, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And like, if you're in me, you're going to begin to produce fruit. And guess what? If you produce fruit, I'm going to begin to step in and cut things away from your life. It's like, wait a minute, though. Like, but I'm doing good. I'm producing fruit. But if you have, like here in Florida, we have a lot of crepe myrtle trees. And if you never cut a crepe myrtle tree back, it gets super ugly. Just like the crepe myrtle tree in my front yard. It gets, it gets really, really bad. But then some of these people have these majestic crepe myrtle trees, and it's because they know every single time in the year when they have to cut it all the way back so that next year it will produce even larger flowers, even larger blooms. And this is essentially the same principle that the Lord is saying is, he's saying, look, nothing is sacred. Nothing is sacred. He, he, he requires us, he challenges us again as believers not to set up monuments and memorials, to realize that all of this is just temporary. All of this is just in a moment. What makes us a church is not our building, it's our community. It's our focus and mission. It's our unified hearts and minds about what God is calling us to do to reach our city. A building doesn't make us a church. A worship team doesn't make us a church. Signage doesn't make us a church. A kid's room doesn't make us a church. What makes us a church is the people who fill all of those spaces. It's the, 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 the desire and the conscious effort to work hand in hand towards the things that God is calling us to. So here he is in these verses and he says, look, if you're in me, you're going to produce fruit. And great news. Once you cut away to produce fruit, I'm going to cut some more things away from your life. He doesn't say he's going, to, he's going to cut away dead things from your life. He said he's going to cut away the fruit from your life. He's going to cut away the things that you might have just produced so that you can then bear even more fruit. And in verse 3, uh, and we're going to put a pause on it here for a minute. In verse 3 it says, You have already been pruned and purified by the message that I have given you. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. You really can break this chapter down into four sections. The first section that the Lord begins to talk about is he begins to talk about the roots. The roots of our life. The things that no one can see. The things that are hidden underground but are the source of who we are. The source of our life. They're the source of our energy. They're the source of our attitude. It's the roots of who we are. You know, the roots of a tree 
determine the extent and the life of the tree. I had a, uh, a guy who told me one time, he said that you can, the width of a tree, like the width that a tree grows is the width of the roots. The tree will never outgrow the width of the roots. So as wide as the roots are underground, what you see happening above ground is happening identically below ground. So you're not going to have this massive sprawling tree and a couple little tiny sprigs that go into the ground. No, that root system extends underground as wide as that tree is above ground. And often in our lives, the underground things in our heart and in our mind and in our attitude are the things that no one sees. And often because they're the things that no one sees, they're the things that we do not tend and care for. So what happens is, is we wind up having a weak root structure and praying for God to build us into this great tree that exemplifies, that glorifies, that shows people who he really is. And we wonder, I wonder often why I feel weak and why I feel like I'm not fully reaching the whole thing. And it's often not because God's not wanting to move in my life. It's not because he doesn't want to see power happen and flow through me. It's because I haven't taken care of the roots. It's because I haven't gotten down to a root level to who I am and to what God is doing inside of my life. There's three roots to Jesus' nature and who he is. There's three roots to Jesus' nature and to who he is. The first one is this. The first root of Jesus was his human nature. was his human nature. The reason that the cross was significant and powerful was because he was as much man as he was God. He had to be. He had to be able to be tempted. Because if it would have been impossible for him to sin, then the sacrifice would have meant nothing. If I have a million dollars in my bank account and I spot you a 10, it's not a big deal. It cost me nothing. You heard that stat they used to say, people used to talk about it all the time back, like back in the day, that it, Bill Gates was worth so much money that if he passed a $100 bill on the sidewalk, it was not worth his time to stop and pick it up. He made more money just doing nothing than he would to stop and pick up a $100 bill. That's crazy money, folks. That's horse money. Like, you know, some people who own horses, I'm like, I know exactly the type of person. You got horse money. That's like one day I'm praying. Like when I pray for God to bless me, I, you know, I don't have specific prayers. I'm not praying for cars. I'm not praying. I'm like, Lord, lead me into the place of horse money. Like that's where, like, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's just playing. Uh, but I'm just you know, saying. Uh, But the first nature of Christ is his human nature. Christ had to be human for the sacrifice that he made on the cross to be significant. If he was just only, only a divine being hanging there, there would have been no pain, there would have been no agony, it would have been a walk in the park. It would have been a major league baseball player playing wiffle ball. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, I can do this all day long. And that's why those who mocked him begin to shout things at him. Like, if you are God... Call down the angels, they can take you off the cross, couldn't they? Yes, they could. But for it to matter to us and create an opportunity where we could actually be free of the bondage of our sin and have the opportunity to spend eternity with him, he had to walk in a human nature. He had to be human. He had to be human. The second root, or the second root of Jesus is this. It was his divine nature. His divine nature. As much as God was human, he was still God. Me and Bethany were talking about this afternoon. It's interesting. One of the greatest mysteries to me of the Bible is the fact that between the ages of 13 and 30, 
we have no record of Jesus. It's just like, where did he go? Like, what was he doing? Like, did he disappear? Like, was he like gone? Like, and then came back? I, I don't know. Like, obviously not, because the Bible says that he grew in wisdom and stature before men and for God. So he, he, he was growing and he was pursuing. But isn't it amazing that if Jesus needed that long of a developmental process before he could step into his ministry, how much more do we need? Anytime you're, you're 17 and feel like you're ready to preach fire to the nations, just remember that Jesus was 30. Jesus was going for substance. He wasn't going for flash. He, he was going, he would rather take three and a half years and transform the world than 15 years and make a pretty good dent. It's amazing because as much as he was human, he was God. That's why he would go to the temple even before we find those, those last few chapters and verses before Jesus kind of disappeared off the scene until his ministry began and he was baptized by John the Baptist and the dove came down and began to speak over him. Before that happened, he, he, we found Jesus in the temple schooling these religious leaders. Let's just be honest. Wouldn't it have been fun to be Jesus? <laughs> like, how amazing would that be? Like, you walk and just pass somebody and someone says something smart aleck to you. Like, you have pride in your heart. Like, and you're like, this is why. And like, you begin to just, like, just spill their, like, message. Like, everything they've done, you just tell them about it. You're like, and she's not your wife. Like, like whatever it is. Like, like we imagine Jesus. Like, if I was Jesus, I would have been like a, like a Maury Povich kind of Jesus. Where I'm like, and the dad is. Like, like, I'd have been just spilling everybody's beans. Like, when they came after me as Jesus. That would have been who I was. That's why. I'm not. Uh, it's because I, I didn't have the nature of Christ. Uh, thankfully, he died for me. Uh, but you have this divine nature to where he was willing to step away so that he could be developed. Can I ask you something tonight? Where are the areas that you need to be developed? Where are the areas that you need, you need time? Not like emotionally you need time. Like, I just need time. Like, no. Like, uh, not that but where you just know that you're not quite ready yet. There's nothing wrong with not being ready. There's nothing wrong with saying, not now. There's a lot of good things that God wants to give you in your life, but this was a part of his nature. His nature was this divine nature. The third root of Jesus was the fullness of the Spirit. He had the Holy Spirit living inside of him. And inside of these three roots, you, you can see the Trinity flowing and happening in him. You can see the nature of who Jesus was. Jesus was human. He was the, the physical element that came down to the earth to die for us. Then you see God the Father operating through his divine nature. The Father was, was kind of in heaven, operating through Jesus, speaking to him, imparting to him, giving this life and revelation and wisdom to him. And then you see that Holy Spirit that Jesus had already flowing through him. And when he went to the cross and he got out of the grave and he came back, Back to the disciples, he said, hey, look, I've got to go, but I'm sending one. And the one that I'm sending is going to be your helper, and he's going to lead you into the fullness of relationship with me. It's interesting because our responsibility is not to produce fruit. Our responsibility is to remain connected. It's interesting because often we strive to produce fruit. 
We strive to produce and to work and to build and to show and to create these structures that are going to impress God and impress the people around us. And and somehow if I build this big thing, then I'll gain favor with those who are in front of me and I'll I'll gain favor with those who who I I, I walk side by side with. But really, that's not the hope or the goal at all. The goal is, is that we remain connected in him and to him. And as we remain connected, the fruit that is simply God will begin to be manifest and brought to full inside of our life. God wants to deal with the roots of your life. He wants to deal with the hidden, the underground, the the, the below the surface scenarios and situations that are happening to us. Look down at verse 5. Verse 5 says, yes, I am the vine and you are the branches and those who remain in me and I will in them, I will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If you've ever felt like you were doing nothing, the chances are great that you are apart from him. And that's not condemnation. Don't feel, don't like, oh my gosh, what do I do now? Just connect yourself. We make connection far more difficult than it really is. We say it a lot, we'll continue to say it, but being connected is a choice. Feeling apart is a choice. So, like, everything, it's a choice. It's a choice of our heart, it's a choice of our life, it's a choice of, of. our spirit that says, you know what, I, I, I refuse to remain alone. Here's what happens. when you, you can have a healthy branch that's growing and thriving. But if that branch is removed from the tree, it instantaneously becomes dead. Not because at one point that branch wasn't growing, but it's because that branch has been removed from its source. Second thing that the Lord begins to deal with in the scriptures, he begins to deal with the source of people. The roots are the underground hidden things in our life. They're the things that just kind of lay in dormant, that really no one else knows but you. But the sources are often things that we can see. They're things that are managed. These can be activities, but it's our source. It's the things that we, we provide our, our, our sustainability on. Uh, sometimes source is social media. Sometimes source is our cell phones. Sometimes source is, is our job. Sometimes source is the relationships that we have. But any source other then the true source, which is Jesus, will always come up short from what God is calling us to. It'll always lead us just to the edge, but not quite enough. That's why people can be in relationships, and they can search from relationship to relationship for that moment of just feeling loved without understanding that what they're looking for all along is a love that that individual or any individual could give but only a love that comes from the Father. Only a love that comes from the true Father. It's like when Jesus was sitting at the well, the woman came to get water. She, he begins to just read her mail. He just tells her about all the stuff, and you, you're not married, and the guy you're with now is not your husband, and you've done all these crazy things. And He says, you're looking for water. What, do you, what does he do? He begins to challenge her source. She's naturally drawing water. She's at the well drawing natural water. He says, look, I see your source, but your source is only temporary. That bucket will run out. At some point, it will be empty. But I can give you water that will never run dry. Drink of me, and you'll never thirst again. It wasn't like Jesus had a late night like Christian television show infomercial that had like miracle water that he opened up his jacket. It was like for six easy installments of $99.95, I will send you this holy water, and you'll never thirst again. He said, no, just let me be your source. He said, you're not bad, but your source is. 
You're wrong only because your source is wrong. You feel lack because your source is only temporal. Look down a little bit further. You've seen these verses here. Down in verse 8. It says, you will great glory to my Father. We have one responsibility and one responsibility alone, and that is to bring glory to the Father. That's it. We don't have any other responsibility. We don't have any other need. Like, we have been called to bring glory to the Father. And the glory isn't based off of our works. It's not based off the things that we can build with our own hand. But the glory that we bring is the way that we reflect him in our life. It's the way that he can be seen through us and from us. When we begin to do this, we begin to see that God wants to begin to reproduce some things inside of us. You can only reproduce who you are, you can, which is a scary thought sometimes. You can only reproduce who you are. That's why your roots matter, and that's why your source matters. Because if your source is wrong, you will train and teach people to have a wrong source. If your source is a substance, you are going to train somebody that when they get stressed, their source should be a substance. You're going to train somebody that really true fulfillment and satisfaction, physically, emotionally, relationally, is only one boyfriend, one girlfriend, one husband, one wife away. When really, the true satisfaction of it is going to be found in the divine relationship with the one true God who can actually save you and heal you and restore your soul to the individual he has called and created you to be. And when we begin to set our roots right and our source right, all of a sudden we begin to reproduce the things that emulate the nature of who Christ is. Jesus said, to his disciples, he said, they will know you by your fruit. And the interesting thing about that is he doesn't just say they'll know you by your grapefruit. I didn't say grapefruit. I said grapefruit. <laughs> by the way, I love grapefruit. Though. <laughs> grapefruit juice, ruby red, ice cold over some crushed ice. My Lord, that is good. I'm hungry right now, if you can't tell. Queso, by the way. Anyways, um, <laughs> It's funny because he doesn't just say they'll know you by your, your glorious fruit. They'll know you by your divine fruit. He says they'll know you by your fruit. And there's two types of fruit. There's healthy fruit and there's unhealthy fruit. So that means they're going to know you by the positive attributes of who you are. And they're going to know you by the negative attributes of who you are. I told people a while back at the beginning of this year, one of the things I did was I turned on my read receipts on my text messages. Worst and best decision I've ever made in my entire life. All in one. Why? Because I panic hits my heart when I realize I've, I've read a text message and I have not responded. So now I feel like my fruit has gotten better in my response. Some of you are like, nah. <laughs> uh, I feel like it has uh, because I, I'm keeping myself accountable. I, I, I'm conscious of my fruit. We have a responsibility in the culture that we live in, in the world that we live in, to wake up and to be conscious. To wake up and realize what's happening in the world around us. Our world does not need another church that can just follow the status quo and the social norm of what has always been forever just because somebody decided 150 years ago at the Council of Nicaea, which was long before 150 years ago, uh, but th they decided somewhere back in history that all of a sudden, this is the way we're going to do it forever. 
If you're going to reach people, you got to have lights. You got to have moving lights. You have pieces. You got to have pieces of, of wood. People come for the wood. People come for the wood, folks. No, it doesn't say any of that. What it says is that they will know you by your fruit. Take it, burn it all down, let it all wither away. At the end of the day, our fruit is what has to emulate Christ. When we sat in our house this week with Brandon and Lexi, and they talked about, Lexi specifically talked about the dream God had placed in her heart for this library. There's nothing much more encouraging and like puts you in this struck moment than when you realize somebody found it. There's nothing like it. It's crazy. It's weird. Because you sit there and you think, that's it. That's it. That's you. That's what God spoke to you. That is what God spoke to you, 100%. But often in our lives, we walk around like the blind leading the blind rummaging, hoping that we bump into what God has called us to. Well, it's out here somewhere. I like, I like clothes and food, so maybe I'm supposed to be a <laughs> clothes, food, Christian blogger. Like, I'm not, like, maybe that is it. Maybe that's your thing. But, but maybe it's just bumping around hoping you hit something rather than taking a moment and listening. You know when she said the Lord spoke to her? She said the Lord spoke to her during uh, our woke devotionals. And you know the thing that challenged me? I'm going to really try not to cry. Um, the thing that spoke to me was I remember standing in Lake Charles and paying for those woke devotionals. It was a god-awful amount of money to print those things. <laughs> and I remember standing there thinking, is this really worth it? I mean, well, like I'm spending this much money to print these devotionals. I'm like, is anybody even going to read these? Like, that's literally what I'm thinking. I'm standing there, I'm thinking, I'm like debating. We had all these issues with it. The files were messed up and nothing was right. And I was like, maybe this is just not supposed to happen. Maybe we need to scratch it and be done. Like, sweet try. Like, we'll put a PDF version or something or just tell people to pray. Or, I don't know. Like, like you know, like, I'm just like, is this worth it? Is this worth it? And in stories like that, I said that that's the first thing I thought about when she started talking about it. I was like, I thought of the exact amount, how much they were. I won't tell you because it makes your stomach sink. And I thought about how much money they were. And I thought, it's worth it. Think of the thousands of kids who will be impacted. If no one else got anything, someone did. You understand that's Jesus' view of salvation towards us. Doesn't matter the cost. And I'm not in no way comparing comparing the cost of, of some devotionals to the cross. But it doesn't matter the cost because if just one attains something, that sparks something inside of them, that's leading them closer to the divine purpose and destiny that God has for them, then it's all worth it. And what God is not looking for is just people to follow like, you know, the Pied Piper social media trend of what church is supposed to look like and what church is supposed to be. I told my friend the other day just about some stuff that we're doing and stuff going on inside of the church. And he's like, bro, that's exciting, man. He's like, you know, you're one of these guys out here like full of faith, all this kind of stuff. I said, man, I feel like we're standing out in the weeds with a machete trying to cut our own path. Because... I believe that where we are in culture, someone has to. And I want that to be us. I want us to be those people who when people begin to look at what we're doing, it just doesn't quite make sense. I would love for the things that we do to cause people to say, yeah, but but why? Why do you do that? It's because it's what the scripture instructs us to do. It's because he is the vine. I'm just a branch. This is who... This is who he is. So why wouldn't it be who I am? 
read a little bit further for you, and then we'll close tonight. The band or whoever can come back up. Whoever wants to. We just <laughs> we got a keyboard, a couple guitars. Just if you've always wanted to play, if you feel the spirit leading you, I'm just playing. Look down at verse 16. Verse 16 says this in John chapter 15. It says, You didn't choose me. I appointed you to go to you. I appointed you to go and to produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command, to love each other. You know, that's really the, the clincher to all of it. So that often in our life, we feel like we chose. I chose. I chose to get my life right. I chose to step into this. I, I chose this as my destiny or my path. I, I, I you know, God put some stuff, I, I, I chose that. Verse 16 seals the deal. He didn't choose me. I, I didn't choose you. I feel grateful tonight that I serve a God who chose me long before I ever chose him. That he saw me in my foolishness. He saw me in my weakness. He sees me in my shortcomings. Present tense. And he's still chosen me. God has chosen you. Don't get it twisted tonight. Don't go to bed thinking something that's not accurate. Don't go to bed thinking tonight that, that you decided to choose God. Long before, long before you ever said, God, I'm going to give you my life. He gave you his. Long before, long before you ever responded and said, here I am, Lord, send me. He charted your course. He laid out your steps. He ordered your feet. Don't go to bed mistaking it tonight. This life I live is not about me. Take it all and give me Jesus. You have everything. You have the house. You have the cars. You have the money. Take it all. Give me Jesus. Talked to our team this morning before the service at our team rally about different attributes of who we want to be as leaders. We want to be gracious leaders. We want to be grateful leaders. We want to be growing leaders. And lastly, we said we want to be gritty leaders. We want to be leaders who aren't just frustrated and flustered every time it doesn't just go perfectly smooth. But we want to be the type of leaders who say, you know what? I like it a little gritty. Some people might look down on set up and tear down. You know what? It's a little gritty. I like it. Some people might look down on outreach. Why do we do all this stuff? Why are we, why are we, why are we giving away all of these things? It's because of who he is. He gave everything for me. The least I could do is give everything I have for him. But look, I'm closing, I promise. But look, you gotta let this be more than a surface word. You gotta let this be more than just something that hits you on the outside, like, hmm. 
You've got to let this be something that sinks all the way down to your roots. It's got to get in your roots tonight. Because what will begin to happen is, once it gets in your roots, it will begin to challenge and change the source of your life. And as your, your source begins to get changed, then you're going to begin to reproduce who and what God is. And as you're reproducing the fruit that comes from God, what you'll then see is, is you'll then see that the, any area of life where you have insecurity in your identity will immediately begin to be shored up. Because all of a sudden, now you know that the life that I'm living, the things that I'm producing, it's not built on me. It's not because of me. It's because the vine that I am connected to. I am just a branch, a part of the vine. It's not about what God has called me to or my gift or my my talent or my skill. It's simply about the fact that we have collectively been called to make a difference. It's about the fact that, you know what? Thousands of people all over our city have heard the call and are doing nothing about it. You shouldn't say that, Pastor. You know, you don't know what they've been through. Honestly, honestly, it doesn't matter. Because there's been grace given for it. There's a source for their freedom. There's a source for their healing. There's a source for their restoration. And maybe what they need, maybe what they need, and maybe what our responsibility is, is to show them that source. What if maybe, just maybe, in a city that is oversaturated and completely overrun with religion and false doctrine, what our city needs is some people who can authentically live the life of Christ. And if it looks like what they've seen, then we're probably not doing it right. We have a responsibility not to be edgy for edgy's sake. But we have a responsibility to be connected. And when you get connected, faith, favor, fruitfulness begins to flow from you. And it begins to mess people up because it's like, what's going on? They love the Lord. Let it be known about this house. We love the Lord. Let it be said of us. We're connected to the vine. When no one will go, we will go. When no one will speak, we will speak. We refuse to let marriages die. We refuse to let kids fall away from the Lord. We refuse to not tell everyone we know about what God is doing in our life. We refuse just to show up alone, but we're going to tell somebody something about what God is doing in me. And if we don't know somebody, we're going to meet somebody. And if we don't know how to meet somebody, we're going to serve at outreach. We'll meet somebody there. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. You can find more info and resources from Legacy House on our website, www.legacyhouse.life, or by following us on social media under the handle at Legacy House FL. Don't miss next week's podcast from our house to yours.